Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. Joseph here with Jesse and Aaron. Hi. Still here after. Hi. <laughs> Still here after a week or two or I don't know. And drinking all the coffee. Yeah. Well, the coffee's pretty much gone. There's like four drops left, but we still got chocolate. Yep. Mm, chocolate. Yeah, we wanted to carry on the conversation because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, we should have just done that as a two-parter and kept recording. I think we, I mean, it's all about the title. We can do whatever we want. On the last show, we were talking a lot about um, taste perception, and you were talking about how you like see taste in terms of colors and combinations and that sort of thing. Um, on this show, so I dug up a little article about how coffee doesn't taste as good as it smells, or at least this is something that people like to talk that's about. That's the yeah, the statement claims yeah. that is the statement, and this is this is something that's gone around for many years. To be honest, it's like people make new articles about it all the time. I, I would say that I get people in the chocolate shop when we do a tasting. We often have chocolate that has coffee in it because we're in Seattle um, and we have this wonderful collaboration with Conduit. Um, we get people who say, oh, no, I don't, lo- I don't like coffee. And I'll say, but do you like how it smells? And it's like, yes, I love how it smells. I just don't like how it tastes. And, you know, depend depends on what product we're about to, about to uh, offer a sampling of. I may get into you know asking them what it is they don't like, and it may be bitterness, it may be char, it may be um, they don't like sweet drinks or they don't like you know not sweet drinks, and then we can talk about what their <laughs> options are that they might end up enjoying. Uh, but usually in chocolate, because it's not water extracted and because it's not heated at the really high temperatures associated with espresso, for instance. Uh, the bitterness tends to be a lot lower, mm. and we're focused on the aromatics, maybe a little acidity, uh, maybe just enough balancing bitterness that people uh, who often don't like coffee will like our coffee and our chocolate. Interesting. Yep. I mean, when I come across this this idea that coffee doesn't taste as good as it smells, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you drinking? Like, my <laughs> well, goodness. I mean, that comes up all the time. We do we do the tastings and we do you yeah, know, triangulations uh, here. Um, triangulations where you're trying to find the, the one odd bowl out of a set of three. So oh, two cool. are the same and one's different. Oh, Put this in the really notes cool. as to a chocolate triangulation Ooh. for Valentine's Day with yeah. all, all the single origins. Yes. All the that single origins. <laughs> um, but that's a big thing. So we go through and you 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 smell the dry fragrance and then you, you want to. And so often then you, you pour the water on and you smell the wet aroma like that. And then you get to tasting, but a lot of times, and I'm pretty, I feel this way most days, is that I can smell the difference a lot better when it's dry. Mm-hmm. And then when I start tasting it, then I start second-guessing myself as I'm noticing more, and there's a little bit more variability to how you might taste it, and side-by-side yes. side and stuff like that. And so the, so it's, I get what their premise of this article is about how why the coffee doesn't taste as good after well, I think taste, but... There's, there's definitely, I think there's two approaches to that, because coffee definitely will taste different than it smells because the aromatics just change like right. there there's there's just a difference in like how you process well, some like an aroma and how you process the taste you, you and mix them with water and they oxidize quickly and they're gone exactly but this concept of it not tasting as good as it smells i think is like a dark roast definitely doesn't taste as good as it smells to me well yeah as soon as it hits your palate you're overwhelmed by tastes and not aromatics mm-hmm. um Whereas if you're smelling it on its own, but there's, you know, you're mentioning about the the way the aromatics come out differently in your mouth than they do, you know, just smelling the cup. Part of that is because we actually experience aroma more intensely retronasally from the inside than we do from mm, the outside. Mm-hmm. So it is much more potent 
to have coffee in your mouth and smell it than it is to just put your nose in a cup and take a whip. Right. Interesting. And yeah, so, so much of what we taste is the back yeah, of our nasal cavity exactly. we're smelling. So, you know, if, if you're easily overwhelmed by the intensities of aromatic alone, even if you're leaving out the taste portion, um, then, yeah, it is a lot stronger in your mouth, mm, for mm-hmm. sure. If you like the light and delicate coffee somewhere in the distance aroma, right. it's disconcerting to have it <laughs> full bore right there. Right. <laughs> they bring up a good point in this, too, that, you know, you might grind the coffee and it smells great, but you might not be brewing it quite correctly. And no, so it just no. doesn't taste as good as you want it to taste. Or maybe your water isn't as good. You know, if you're if you're not using filtered water, you might get some other compounds in there. So it smells great when you pull it out of the grinder. Yeah. But then you you don't brew it properly or, you know, some other, there's other variables in there that can affect that flavor. I run into similar issues when I read scientific articles about chocolate. And what comes to mind in particular is that people have this never-ending debate about whether or not chocolate is good for you or bad for you. And, of course, we all know. It's an obvious debate. Well, it's. It's great for you. (laughs) We all know that. Well, we just so, end it now? <laughs> end the here. But it's complicated unless you define your terms. Right. So let's start off by saying that all these uh, scientific articles that are referenced in journals are written one way very specifically, and then they put a title on it that, that says something semi-general, and then someone comes along and misinterprets everything about it and then misrepresents it to everyone else. So right. even like if you start with good argument. science... Uh, it's not even. Um, <laughs> it's way worse. <laughs> so with chocolate, the biggest problem that I have is when people start talking chocolate, they'll talk, you know, well, well, dark chocolate is good for you. Okay, well, I happen to agree with them. Dark chocolate has no definition. Hmm. The FDA defines a lot of things about what you can call chocolate. Darkness is not one of them. It's a marketing term. Right. So generally, if you go to the grocery store, you talk dark chocolate, it could be 35%. Is that dark by any reasonable standard? No. Right. So in the craft the idea is that dark world, chocolate 60% is just... and higher is dark? Right. Well, That was my understanding. Like 80% tends to be pretty dark. That's pretty dark, dark yeah. yeah. I mean, what we're really but getting dark's at... dark's not the right word for that. It's with just the, the proportion of yeah. nibs. And, yeah, percentage. Know, is, yeah. Is a, it's like, the definable term. <laughs> it's, it's the cacao that's the healthy component, exactly. right? It's like coffee. Like coffee on its own is really healthy for you. But if you're having lattes with sugar... Yeah, you're drinking coffee, but guess what? You're also drinking a cup of milk and sugar. So would you drink milk and sugar every day? Would you drink a 16-ounce cup of milk with sugar in it? (laughs) Michael Scott would. would. But I'm not going (laughs) to pretend that's healthy. Yeah, I mean, I put the chocolate sugar in it. (laughs) I go to Intrigue Chocolates and go get my uh, hot chocolate, not tell anybody that's no coffee. I had tea the other day and went in and I was just like, what am I doing drinking tea and going into a business? (laughs) You have chocolate tea. Oh my goodness. So chocolate tea is brewed from the cacao hull, the the roasted outside of the chocolate bean. Um, And it's yummy. Yeah. You do that like 50-50 coffee. Yeah, do you still yeah, do that? you can we can do it now that yeah, it's October. The blended, sure. Wait, yeah. is that the that's not the cold brew that you used to do, right? We, so we is do it different. If we cold brew the cacao hulls, it tastes fruity. It's the fruity side of uh-huh, chocolate. Uh-huh. If we hot brew it, it's chocolatey. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, so okay. we have but it both cold brewed and hot brewed. Cascara the, the same house. way that holds off of coffee. Yeah. Um, when you brew it hot, I get weird, like earthy, kind of mushroom tea sort of stuff. Exactly. But then if you do cold brew for 24 it's hours, it so tastes like plum juice. cherry and yeah. yeah, no, it's nuts. And then, of course, every variety is different. Oh, of course. All that yeah. processing. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, studies don't necessarily say what you think they do, and you have to define your terms for them to be meaningful at all. Yeah. So, if the people in this coffee study were given, you know, 
really, really roasted coffee and they opened a tin of pre-ground stuff and smelled it like, oh, that smells nice. And then they brewed it. Yeah. Yeah. And they might not enjoy yeah. the experience. Right. And that's the other thing they're talking about is it's old and it's darker roast and you're going to smell it a lot, but yeah. it's pretty much stale. And so you're not going to get as many flavors after you brew it because yeah. all of it's going to be released when you open that bag because that's the last of it. Yep. A lot of times what I think of when I see this kind of article or statement or whatever is walking down like the aisle at a grocery store and getting that like kind of rich coffee aroma. And I'll walk down the aisle and be like, oh, that smells so good. This stuff is disgusting. Right. Oh, <laughs> it smells good. Like, what smells so good? It's, <laughs> like, mm, I'm not going to touch it, but yeah. I'll walk I'll walk by. <laughs> I'll enjoy this experience as I pass by. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, we'll link to that article in the, in the notes as usual. They also talk about an interesting thing in there, which we're going to get into, but I don't think... No, they, they talk about how um, saliva, like, breaks down a lot of the aroma compounds in coffee, aroma flavor compounds. I, I mean, it does. I mean, I would think that a liquid would, it's water soluble, so it's going to yeah, it's gonna dissolve that. And there are enzymes it. in your mouth. The amylase is going to start to break down some of the, yeah. the sugars. And yeah. But wouldn't, would that mean it's going to change the flavor or just that it breaks it down it, in your mouth? Yeah. I don't know. As well, this, like, it does, like, it doesn't end up in your belly. But, like, I mean, it, this article is saying that it literally destroys, like, half of the possible like flavor and aroma compounds in coffee i don't know i, I gotta go down chase down a couple links to find it the actual scientific citation so it's a little hard to verify that information i think i think it's much more like what you were talking about how um when the coffee is in your mouth the aroma perception is just totally different than when it's not um is much more interesting anyhow shall we uh yeah Pull a, pull a topic from the mug. From the giant What's mug. What's it going to be? Aaron, <laughs> so Aaron you get you to answer to this first. Beware that I wrote all these down while I was on the phone. And so a lot of them are incomplete sentences. And so you just kind of have to bark them into the microphone. So we'll see what it is. Would you like right. to do the honors? I, w- I would love to do the honors. All right. Favorite wine. Oh, oh. that's a good one. <laughs> Shifting gears. Shifting gears. Oh, sort what's, of. What's your what's My a desert wine. island wine? Does it have to be a desert island, or can it just be like a? No, this is just favorite wine. wine. <laughs> Lonely just, weekend. Just wine? like a rocky, <laughs> mossy island. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I gotta look this up while you guys figure okay, that out. I, I'm I'm gonna start by describing, which was I usually do to narrow down my process. I tend to prefer wines where you can meet the winemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love Pacific Northwest wines. Washington, I believe, has over 800 wineries at this point. It's nuts, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of phenomenal wines locally made. Um, Do you have a region of Washington that you like? Not specifically. I think there's something of value from each of them. It always surprises me because I have like one that I say, like, I love Red Mountain. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, that's an easy one to like. Yeah. High yeah, quality but, grapes. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> like, but uh, I love some of the... the Less sweet sort of dessert wines that kind of come from that region, like they yeah. tend to be a little bit not know, they, the sugar bombs, not quite the sugar bombs versus yeah. some of the the Walla Walla. Oh. They can be super dense. Yeah. yeah, I, I um, oh boy, we've worked with so many wineries over the year, and I, and I love them all. Um, the folks at Cardis, Charlie makes an amazing wine. Uh, one of my favorites from there is a Roussan. Um, so it's a white wine with this really buttery mouthfeel. Um, some some of my uh, good friends up in uh, Woodenville, Davenport Cellars, they're actually retiring their winery at the end of the year. Wow. Super sad about oh, wow. that. Um, they, Perhaps we should uh, get some for the show. Yeah, yeah, you should totally track it down while you can. Their Bordeaux blends 
uh, Bordeaux style blends are really good. Um, same grapes blended in different proportions are make a completely different wine. Right. Go figure. Um, Paradisos del Sol out in Zilla. They are so fun. Um, Paul is passionate about growing his grapes. Like he's he's um, he, he's a farmer as well as a winemaker, and he could tell you things uh, that most winemakers mm. have no idea about. Um, and that definitely shows up in the in the wine. Uh, this is just a few that come off the top of yeah. my head. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling terrible because I can't remember the name of my favorite winery. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Um, I met him through coffee. I think he had our coffee once at Ken's Market or something like that. And he spends a lot of time marketing the coffee in in Western Washington, Seattle. But he has a he gets the grapes and has a little processing winery out in Walla Walla. And he always calls it the juice. Drink the juice now. Like his cat is like, no, no, it's like a month old. You want to drink that juice today? Like, this isn't stuff that linger. Then he has other stuff. He's like, wait, wait a while for this. This is special. Um, I was just reading some stats. So Washington has 900 plus 900 wineries juice. and as many acreage, as much acreage as Napa in Washington State. So, Washington And a good I would place say that's probably things. going down by the day in, as we let these fires continue to burn in, in California. Know, it's, a, it's terrifying. What's your favorite so, wine? <laughs> so um, the one I can get the most of for the cheapest amount of money. No. <laughs> um, I had a particularly delightful experience with wine a um, couple months ago uh, or a month and a half ago was on vacation and um, with my parents and we were visiting some friends of theirs and um, this gentleman has like a lovely wine collection that he's just kind of made over the years and he just loves talking about wine and sharing the experiences and that sort of thing so we're visiting and he just starts breaking out the wine and he pulls out I have it here because I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it was a 2003 Chateau Pichon Longueville Baron. Oh it's a Bordeaux. And it is the most delicious and satisfying glass of wine that I've ever had in my life. To pull upon the uh, colorful descriptions that you <laughs> <laughs> were using in the show last week. Um, very like purple and red and deeply like like buttery rich like this. And just so intensely satisfying jammy very jammy but it was interesting just to see the the, the difference we were just like, kind of like enjoying the difference right. between them I, uh but yeah I, I think that with describing flavors doing tasting notes on the one hand uh it can seem futile or silly or pretentious i mean we all make fun even those of us who do it will make fun of the people who right. go, hmm, i taste a nuance of blah, blah, blah. we had a whole episode on like being a uh, connoisseur versus like, <laughs> yeah. is there a stigma with calling yourself it's like but there it's weird if you say you're a connoisseur but if somebody else calls you one then it's a little bit better no, oh, you kind of feel you kind of feel special then right, right. But there, there is utility in it as well. I mean, you could say that there's the, the, the poetic enjoyment of the exercise and describing your senses. Uh, there's also the straight up logistical, like, I like this wine a lot. Uh, if I can figure out how to describe it, I can walk into a wine shop and say, this is a type of wine that I like. Help me find another bottle that's similar. And maybe this one in my price range, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you walk in and say, I don't know, I like wine that's good. Actually, I still, uh, love a Sangiovese. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my first, like really notable wine experiences, 
visiting Italy is yep. having some Sangiovese. And so I yeah. remembered the name of the the winery. It's Brady Cellars. Oh, Brady! Yeah, yeah. That, there was, and Kim. There would be the next one I was going to mention. Yeah, <laughs> just fantastic. Yeah. but he's also one of the like I've had some of the best conversations. I think he's probably my favorite vintner. Just the. For really personalities, the amount of time yeah. I had to talk with him, and he's just kind, and we do just coffee for bottle trade, and it's great. Um, so, yeah, glad I remember that. And it's also at least at the Barrel Thief, which is one of our accounts, and I should go oh. drink his wine more often now that I know that. I feel, has, but. I feel like we really ought to get some wine on the show now. Yeah. Have some have some wine recordings. One uh, of my favorite wine experience, though, was in Sicily, oh, and mm-hmm. we were having, uh, I was farming, I don't know if you know this, I was spent a few no. months farming lemons in that's Sicily. Awesome. And uh, that's when I decided to never work again. <laughs> uh, that's the best way to never work again. It was nine years ago. Uh, <laughs> my passport's expired since then and I haven't renewed it. Uh, we're having a pizza party. There's a whole fun thing with the pizza party. It was incredible. But we're at this farm and I didn't know what they meant by pizza party. But what it really means is they kick up this giant wood-fired pizza oven and all the families get involved in making the pizzas. And there's just people, you can see the silhouettes just coming over the hill, and they're carrying those big, you know, 30 uh, liter water jugs full oh. of their house made, farm made wine. Wow. And just pouring it, you know, it wasn't like, that was so good. And we just, just drank as much as you possibly could drink. It was just endless, endless wine. I've never seen so much wine in giant containers ever. <laughs> it was quite fun. And you go to a barbecue, and it's. 15 hours of drinking that and pretending I can speak Italian. I could by the end. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. Aaron, you ever pairing wine and chocolate? Uh, So the first six years of our business was only pairing wine and chocolate. Seriously, every weekend was either at a winery or a wine festival or a wine fundraiser. It was, it's, it's amazing. I, I actually, over the years, I've met a lot of winemakers who don't want to do chocolate wine together. And it turns out that chocolate can affect your palate for several hours after you have it. Mm-hmm. So if you need to evaluate a wine for very technical details, uh, yes, you should not have but chocolate. But that's with true. It. In Everybody any, else should have chocolate. Especially chocolate or you know, any kind of booze or coffee, yeah. anything like that. Like same with, same with chocolate. You could say, like, don't go eat a bunch of pine nuts and Parmesan yeah, before you're going to taste it. It's going to affect your palate. So <laughs> habaneros or onions. <laughs> yeah, how about some kimchi? You know, no, that could be that could be a problem. Um, <laughs> I I will give parameters for pairing chocolate and wine, though. I would say that uh, sugar covers up defects in wine. Sugar mm. also covers up excellence in wine. So that's probably why they add some of like the big red flavor. Right. Sugar so stuff. if yeah, if you have a like somebody gifts you a bottle of wine, you're like, hey, this one's delightful. Get out a bag of Hershey's and taste it with it because the sugar is going to cover up some of those defects in the wine. Hmm. Interesting. I opened up a bottle the other day and it wasn't very good. Yeah. I had all intent to drink the entire thing and I had one cup out of it. Get out like, some think... sweet chocolate to go with that. Don't have sweet chocolate with a good wine. Right. Because the sugar is going to muddy all of those flavor profiles. The, your perception of flavor is It's kind of like putting cream into a, a Gesha variety. Like. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're just not going to do that. I would also say that chocolate um, goes really well with, um, so rather wine goes really well with a bitter, sweet, and aromatic. Um, so, you know, go go moderately dark on your chocolate, mm-hmm. but not too mm-hmm. dark. Okay. If, you, if it's too dark, then you just have an overwhelmingly bitter combination, and you're not going to enjoy it. Right. 
Um, so you know, the sixty to to seventy percent range with with uh, wine is pretty good chocolate. Is it there. true that the chocolate absorbs the alcohol, so you don't get affected by it? So <laughs> 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 maybe those charcoal coffee beans. It's, you just, it's just your liver that absorbs <laughs> the alcohol. <laughs> um, since we're on the subject of pairing things with chocolate, do you ever pair cheese and chocolate? Yes. Yeah, I have done some cheese and chocolate pairing. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. We actually like to do trades with cheesemakers. I, if we're at a, I'll be honest, a I've never done that. We should do a little planning and have another show where we do a little fancy cheese and chocolate tasting. Do you have a particular great. kind of cheese style or anything? No. So like a harder cheese or softer cheese? or um, Not super foot funky. Okay. <laughs> uh, other than that, it's it's pretty fair game. Okay. Our show really is turning into like just what can we pair with coffee and explore all those things. Yes. I ain't complaining. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a very tasty podcast. Yeah, it is. <laughs> awesome. Uh, awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, Aaron. Yeah, My thank pleasure. you again. Oh, cheers. Uh com. Find it, order it, eat it. <laughs> Visit coffeeloversradio.com, check out the show notes. Join our podcast. This has been Joseph and Jesse with Coffee Lovers Radio. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to our show and sign up for the email newsletter. Visit coffeeloversradio.com. There you can listen to our shows and click through to our Patreon page to get expanded show notes and other fun stuff. Coffee Lovers Radio is a partnership between Extracted Magazine and Conduit Coffee. Just visit coffeeloversradio.com and we'll see you on the show.